I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is Sharon G. Flake, and we're going to talk about her forthcoming book, The Life I'm In. This is a wonderful book, and we're also going to talk about her life as a writer, as well as her other work as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Janine. Thank you for having me. In your background, you have uh, a beautiful cover of The Skin I'm In. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Was that over 20 years ago? It's like about 23 at this point when I wrote it. Yeah, when I really got published. It took me two years to write. So 25 years ago, I wrote that book. So Amazing. And I have your latest book. I'm in. Sorry about the glare. Um, Was this like a sister novel to The Skin I'm In? It is a sister novel to The Skin I'm In. It's the answer to the question of whatever became of the bully in The Skin I'm In, Mm -hmm. because Charlize was the bully, the antagonist in the first book. And this is her life story now. And people always asked about it, asked about her, is she okay? Did her sister ever put her on the book? Oh, I'm sorry. Did her sister ever put her on the bus? Yes. Because her sister had threatened uh, Char saying, listen, if you fail seventh grade again, if you get into any more fights, um, I'm going to send you south to live with grandma. Uh, Now, (laughs) yeah, and for black people that can happen. It used to happen a lot, probably in the 50s and 60s and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And not just as a form of punishment, but as a restart, right? Maybe they can help you on your path because I can't do any more for you. But the the problem was that Shar's sister was in part responsible for Shar's situation. Uh, for people who haven't read The Skin I'm In, maybe I should back up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, give us a sense. Go ahead. Okay, The Skin I'm In is my first novel. The first uh, editor who read it purchased it. Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen often. Karen, whoa. Um, yeah, <laughs> Andre Davis Pinkney, who is a, a heavyweight in the children's literature uh, business, uh, bought it. Um, it's a novel about a dark-skinned girl who gets picked on because people don't like how she looks. They don't like her skin color. They don't like that her clothes are not really in good shape. Uh, and so she, Malika comes up with this idea. She's 13 years old, right, middle school, and she just decides, well, if I sort of hang out with the toughest girl in school and maybe do her 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 homework and, and whatever she wants me to do, uh, then, then maybe other people will leave me alone. Mm. Well, what happens? You hang out with a bully and you want to be their friend, but they right. don't really know, often know how to be a good friend. And so Charlize starts to bully Malika, makes her a sycophant. Mm. And um, Malika has to learn to find her voice, to love who she is just as she is, yes. and to uh, sort of stand up for herself. And in the process, she also learns that she's a gifted writer via a teacher uh, in the book. And also because her dad has left her these great poetry that, that celebrate her dark skin and her beauty and how smart she is. And that, that helps her get to the other side. How did this whole story come about? I mean, have you always had this incredible imagination where you can see these characters? I mean, where did this come from? I love this question because I always tell people I never was 
a kind of person like you know how some writers say oh I can see pictures and it's visual mm -hmm. vivid and I can hear more I don't hear voices or see pictures um, I didn't write in the elementary or middle school or high school other than I had a pen pal but that's you know a different kind of writing and I no one as I recall told me I could write you know I'm not mad at anybody about it I don't think <laughs> I showed any creativity. Mm -hmm. I went to college to be a doctor. In fact, I wanted to be a doctor so much that you may remember this. I was a um, candy striper. I was <laughs> a candy striper. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I was a candy striper. Volunteer with the yes. uniforms. And I went to a Saturday class where you dissected animals. And I'm not sure. That I did not do. I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they were already deceased, but I'm sure you can't do that anymore Ugh. as a like a high school summer, you know, after school person. Yeah. Um, and so I did that because I really wanted to be a doctor. And then I wanted to be, um, a, you know, pediatrician. And then what happens? I go to college and I and the real deal hits you. Right. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> Math and science. And, yeah. You know, I'm struggling in those classes playing Jesus praying. Jesus, please get me through this class, you know. Um, and then, I, you know, all the while I was also taking English classes, right? You have to take different kinds of courses. Sure, and I sure. realized that I was, I liked it. It wasn't just that I was good at it because I was, but I really liked it. Enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I'll tell you how good I was at writing in college. I don't tell many people this, but I, I was also a political science minor mm -hmm. and I hadn't studied for my midterm and so I went in there, like with having not studied at all, I start writing this letter. You know, we used to have those booklets. I don't know if they still have them, test booklets. Those blue ones? My, yes. <laughs> writing a letter to my professor explaining how I, you know, I wasn't able to study because my parents were getting a divorce, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And it, it, it helped me because he let me take my test over later. Aww. Well, my parents were not getting a divorce. My parents have been married <laughs> about 65 years. Karen. <laughs> so I should have known then that, hey, you have a pretty good imagination. You're a fiction writer. There you go. <laughs> you're a fiction writer. Yeah. And so that's this. So back to the skin I'm in my first novel, what happened was I tell people if my daughter hadn't been born, I'm not sure I would have ever gotten published because she's the reason I wrote the book, right? Mm. Uh, I tell Brittany yeah. came into the world dark brown and beautiful. Mm. And from the moment she came in, I would tell her stories, verbal, right? Oral stories about dark skinned girls. They could fly, they could solve crimes, they could do all this. So I just kept that up. Um, and I, I, I had been writing before then, but you know, I might write today. I might not write for three months, six months, eight months. But once she came on the scene, I just was very consistent about writing. That's great. Picture books that never got published. Those never got published, but not um, too late. Well, yeah, that just doesn't happen to be my forte. Um, but picture books and um, going to her daycare center sometimes and orally telling stories mm -hmm. um, and then writing a story a short story before the skin I'm in about a dark-skinned girl and a light-skinned girl they were twins and the stories from the light-skinned girl's perspective mm. where she was saying the pain she experienced because of the pain her sister experienced from people who would you know talk about her brown skin negatively or sure. come over to the light skinned sister and fondle her hair and say, oh, you're beautiful when the darker skinned sister was standing right there. And they basically were ignoring her. 
and that won an award in a, a, a like a minor publication, but I was happy as could be because it was my first sort of recognition. And then I just kept writing. And next thing you know, you had the skin I'm in. And people think that book is about my daughter. It's not, even though my daughter is tall and dark uh, and Malika is too, but my daughter is like seven when I wrote the book. Amazing. So it's not her story. Yeah. I want to interject something. Mm-hmm. that uh, you are a three-time Coretta Scott King award-winning author. Yeah. What does that feel like? You know, it's amazing because it's a big deal in this business. Yeah. And um, I got it with my first book. Uh, I got that award in the American Library Association sort of recognitions for best books for young adult readers and all of these awards and recognitions started coming in. And, you know, I sort of started hunkering down and just kept writing. You look at it and it's like, oh, that's really nice. And you just sort of keep on moving. But it, it's it's really good because for some readers and some parents, they only, the first thing they look at are award-winning novels. Sure. Right? Yes. Some schools, the first thing I want to know is, okay, what's your track record and what a, what's the industry saying about your work? Right. So I feel really fortunate and blessed to, to have gotten some. Bravo, it's incredible. Nice recognition, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's touch on your latest book, uh, The Life I'm In. The Life I'm In. Because, I mean, the theme of, uh, well, the topic of uh, human sex trafficking is prevalent in the book. Um, tell me why this was an important book for you to write. You know, people have been asking me uh, to write a follow-up to The Skin for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I always said I wouldn't do it because the book is really so iconic. It's been so well-received by people of all kinds of backgrounds, taught in colleges as well as elementary schools, sold on six continents in different languages. And, I, you know, Janine, you've read books and seen movies that you felt like, oh, why did you do a sequel? Why didn't you just leave sure. it alone? I didn't want to be in that that category. And so there were a couple of reasons I did the book, and I'll just I'll just mention one or two of them. One was um, I, I it was I probably had grown up myself finally, mm-hmm. right? Again, I published at forty two, and I tell people a lot on the road young people at schools and conferences really helped me to sort of grow more confident. Like my character in the skin I'm in, I had my own self-esteem struggles, right? I had my own sense of smallness. So the feeling Malika has in the skin I'm in of feeling small is me, not her, not what she goes through, but that feeling of what it feels like to just feel tiny and small. And when I first started out for many years, speaking to young people, I, they were the first people I told, I'm really bad at spelling. I'm really bad at, at, bad at grammar. I'm, you know, I'm afraid to be up here speaking. They were the first people. And so they would open up and start telling me their stuff too, right? You know, oh, I'm being bullied or people were teasing me for this reason and for that reason. And so one reason I think I wrote this book is I could finally tell it without worrying a whole lot about what people thought about me or the book, finally. I think the other reason was like a mom, um, lots of mothers, I'd noticed the tick uptick in trafficking. And I remember uh, when this person asked me a couple of years ago, would you, why haven't you written a book or with Char or follow-up book to the skin of men or would you do it? My first answer was no, but if I did, it would be about Charlize Jones 
and it will be about human trafficking. And human trafficking, I just said the why, sort of there was this uptick. And even as my daughter is in her 30s, I worried way in the back of my head sometimes if she went to walk the dog, I, you know, like, don't be too close to the street, you know, right. don't, don't be too close to cars. And we're not in a really challenging neighborhood. We're, we're not, you know, it's fine, but it can happen anywhere. I agree. It, like, it's here in Orange County, California. Yeah. Very yeah. prevalent. Right. And so you guys are out California just in the news for trafficking. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I, I think I was ready. And I thought the story needed to be told. Parents have trusted me with difficult stories, um, whether it's shootings or whatever, for, for years, school teachers, principals, parents. And so I thought I was a good person probably to take that, that story on. Why Shar? Why not Malika, right? Yes. You know what? When I ran research, I found out that only one encounter with social uh, services can make a, a young person vulnerable to trafficking. If you look at Shar's background, Shar had left, been left down three, by the time the book starts, three times in seventh grade. Her parents were both murdered brutally. She had not recovered from that. Mm. Um, and then she was sort of being bullied in a way by her sister. Um, her sister was doing the best she can to, to make money, but she certainly was giving these parties where Shar had to work late into the night, serving drinks, serving adults, people, strangers waking up three in the morning. So that kind of lifestyle I looked at and said, mm, even though I don't mention it in that book, there probably would have been some social service intervention, school, yes. community, someone to say, hey, something's not right here. Yes. And so um, so that's, that's why Char. And once I had that conversation with that person that asked me, hey, why would you ever do it? I went home and I started writing. And then I started researching and talking to a person who had been trafficked, talking to the police, plowing through articles and newspapers and um, looking at what happens with the justice system with some of the uh, people, especially the young people and talking to organizations that deal with uh, victims and survivors. That's great. You really did your homework. I really did my homework and I will tell you, I just got a letter back. I'm looking because I'm like, can I look at a letter back? Because I sent the book to one of the people that I had interviewed, who happens to be a nun oh. and um, works with young people and trafficking. Um, and um, it was a very positive letter where she said, oh my God, you did a great job. Um, I'm really proud to have mm -hmm. been you know, helpful in this process and that considering us sort of partners in a way in the journey towards um, eradicating this. So that that was a big deal to me because when I sent her the book, I held my breath. I was like, oh, I hope she thinks I got it right. Oh, yeah. I'd say read a little bit of the letter, but I don't want to make you have to find it. So, well, it's funny. I should have had it out here somewhere. It's not That's probably, it's not, well, you know. I <laughs> see so you kind of like, you want me to? Sure, why not? I'd love it. Okay, because it really, I don't have, I, it's. Why not? It's not far. It's not, if it's not in this book. It, oh, That's that? fine. While oh, you're looking, well, you know what? Let me just tell everybody who's watching this. Uh, I have all your information. Um, we've been talking to Sharon G. Flake about her forthcoming book, The Life I'm In, but all her information is on my show blog, Get the Funk Out Show. 
www.kuci.org. And when we're done with this, this is going to be in video and audio on the show blog. Um, and when they want more information on you, they can go to SharonGFlake.com. Okay. Okay, here it is. I don't want to name the person. No, you don't have to. Go ahead. Because I haven't gotten her permission to do that. Yeah. But it says, Dear Sharon, thank you for the signed copy of The Life I'm In. I received it in the mail on Saturday when I stopped into the office. I brought it home and spent the rest of the day reading until I finished the book. You did an amazing job capturing just how easy it is for young people to be lured into the life of human trafficking. Shar's story was real and painful. You captured really well how daddy met her basic needs, thus making her dependent on him. The interplay and relationships between Shar and the other victim survivors was well thought out and showed the hierarchy that exists even among the victims and survivors. I could go on more, but you know, she, she talks about the audience and she felt you show Shar's vulnerability in the midst of her trying to hold her life together. And that is exactly what daddy picked up on. It is what all daddies pick up on when looking for the next victim. Mm. Um, and she mentioned something that I appreciated. She says that I appreciated that it wasn't too graphic for, because of the age group you're dealing with. Sure. But at the same time, it has to be realistic. So I wanted people to feel what she was going through, mm -hmm. but I do want people to finish the book, right? right? And so I wanted to show different sides of Charlize too. In the first novel, The Skin I'm In, Char is not the nicest person. There are not a lot of people or readers that like her. They are rooting very much for the protagonist, Malika, right? Madison. In this book, I've had so many readers say, oh my God, I loved Char in this book. I cried for her. I like bit my fingernails, hoping that she and the other girls would be okay. Right. Um, I yelled sometimes at Anthony, the abuser. Right. Um, and then at the end, they said, and I celebrated with her getting to the other side. Mm -hmm. For readers of the first book, they'll be happy to know that Malika returns in the book. Um, and so does the teacher, Miss Saunders, who I call one of the most iconic teachers in children's literature. Um, I did not want to put them in that book. Why? Because I was afraid. I was. Yeah. I was afraid that readers would, would, I wouldn't be able to do it well. And I, you write, so I was afraid. And my editor's the one, I sent him one draft and she's, you know, she gave me feedback and said, hey, you got to put these people in there. I'm like, uh-uh. And when I put them in, it was only a little bit that she says, Sharon, you really have to. I'm so glad she said that because yes. it made a, the book also becomes about girls and women helping each other through storms. I love and, it. And so Malika ends up helping Char. Char also ends up helping Malika. When you're reading stories sometimes about people who might have been victimized and people who are uh, maybe now survivors of something, it's easy to think of them only as victims, as, as, sure. as only needing help, mm -hmm. but not still having skill sets that help them survive or things that they have about them that can help other people around them get to the other side. So we get to see um, that, that Char is a caretaker. We get to see that Char turns out to be a pretty good friend to Malika. Um, and then again, Miss Saunders learns, uh, Miss Saunders was ever helpful, ever opening herself once more 
but also she's benefiting from having Shar and Malik in her life. And so I was pretty, Shar Elise Jones turns out to be, I think one of my most well-rounded characters now. So she certainly goes the entire arc of. When uh, did the book come out? Or is it coming? It came out in January, which anyway. happens to be uh, National uh, Slavery and Human Trafficking Month, which I didn't even know until just before the month started. So I was pleased that uh, the universe or whatever picked that book that month because I think it's a good month for the book to come out. And I love the cover. Thank you. I love her eyes. Mm -hmm. The girl on the cover's eyes because I think the problem with a lot of trafficking survivors or victims is that people don't see them, right? We sort of don't want to see them. Mm-hmm. They could be girls, they could be boys, they could be women, but we don't want to see them. We want to scurry by. Yes. Know? And 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 Shar, the girl that's on the jacket, is her eyes say, "Wait a minute, see me. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. Um, don't pass me by." And in the book, somebody, a couple of people do pass her by, right? And I try to tell teachers now. These girls and these students are in your classrooms. They live on your block, they're in your neighborhood. Uh, trafficking doesn't just happen to girls who don't have a lot of money who, or who live in certain communities. That's right. right. And traffickers aren't just, you might have noticed how I crafted Anthony in that book. Anthony wears very nice clothing, mm-hmm. expensive shoes and watches. He's very dapper. Yes. Because traffickers aren't just guys in one neighborhood or these are they could be women they could be guys they they offices um on farms right you know pilots they could be it could be anyone and i I just want to say this before we, we we go just to let people know when it comes to trafficking the united nations office of uh drugs and crime says it's the recruitment the transfer the transport um uh of uh people for reasons of via fraud or force mm-hmm. for the purposes of exploitation but when you're talking to a, about a child 17 and under force and coercion don't have to be a part of it for it to be trafficking right sure. for them to be be trafficking. mental manipulation right mental manipulation um the um the recruitment Mm-hmm. Right, that you're just somebody just comes up to you and they're trying to recruit you into, mm. you know, that kind of sexual activity, that kind of life, um, and so that's something for people to be aware. It's a hundred fifty billion dollar business for trafficking, in general, right? Um, for sexual exploitation, it's a hundred like a ninety nine billion dollar business globally. So there's a lot of money. It's only second to drugs mm-hmm. when it comes to profits from illegal activity. What is so the, maybe, do, I don't know if you know there's this. There's a lot of money and power involved here. Ages, age range, it can vary, right? I mean, it could be as young it, as. It, I don't know that there is a number. I know. As young as, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm not, it, it, it goes up and down the gamut. Right. Um, and it happens around the globe. It happens, the United Nations, I think, 
has been doing a really good job over the last couple of, at least the last decade of trying to globally come up with a definition, um, having law enforcement work together, um, countries sort of come together. The State Department puts out a um, trafficking in human persons report every year. So if people go to the State Department, I think, .org and look at that, you could read about it, see what's happening in different countries, see the ways that people are trafficked, right? Because child soldiers are trafficked, sure. right? Not for sex per se, but for hard labor. Yeah. Kids that are working in coal mines around the country, people that are taken as domestics. You might come here mm -hmm. to this country thinking that maybe you paid, maybe you forced, but you... You, oh, okay. I, I have a job here. I'm going to work at this lady's house three, four, five days a week for, you know, five hours a day. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. I can't leave. They won't let me leave. Right. They're not paying me. Right. I'm sleeping in the basement in the cold, in the dark. Nobody knows when I'm here. It, all of this becomes a human rights violation. Right. Issue, right? Definitely. Um, and so, we just have to be aware of it. Yes. And I think one thing about young adult novels is that it allows young people to have a whole host of conversations about all sorts of different things. And what I like about my books, again, are a lot of times adults either will read them in adult book clubs or they'll read them with your young people um, so that they can have conversations. And you don't know what your, what your, this is for 14 year olds and up, but what your um, child might be thinking or what they know. And so what have, they're doing online. And so you have different sorts of conversations with yeah. them. And so novels like this allow you to have all kinds of different kinds of conversations. Absolutely. They may think that, oh, this only happens to one kind of child. Yes. And it might be happening right up the street from you. Yeah. Right. I think this is incredible because it really does open up the conversation between um, teachers and students, parents, and their kids. And, you know, a lot of times you want to tell your kid, be careful, this is what goes on. But once they can read it and, and see these stories and think about that in life, it becomes very relevant. It becomes very relevant and also becomes very relevant in an era where we're talking about a lot of human rights issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this becomes another one for them to be aware of. I know a lot of faith-based organizations have been involved with human trafficking for a while now. Mm -hmm. They have either um, come up with facilities of their own so that they could care for or pipelines between them and churches or organizations of other countries to get money um, and all kinds of, of other things to people who have been trafficked. Or they, but I'm not sure how much they have conversations within their own groups other than what we might read in literature. Sometimes yeah. the literature can give you one idea, you know it. But yeah. and then when I say literature, I mean the brochures, you know. Right. But then you get a novel like this where you get to see the fullness. You get to see the strength of Shar. Yeah. Uh, you get to see the humanity of Shar. And so once you kind of see that, it's kind of like, oh no, I wouldn't want that to happen to anybody. Yes. Um, and it, again, it opens up the door for conversations with your own child. So. Yeah. Or your well, neighbor. We have to wrap up right now, but where can people find out more about you? 
you know, you can go to my website or they can go to my website at uh, flake.sharon at gmail.com. Um, and that's, so that's, that's email. That's my, is that, is that what I gave them? Yeah. <laughs> well, they can reach me at my email too. <laughs> but my website is sharongflake.com. Okay, wonderful. So, yeah, you can go to Sharon G. Flake and you'll, um, that's my website. You can okay. find, I'm easy. Just put my name in there and a whole bunch of, books and, and I and bet will pop up so well congratulations and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and hearing your backstory and your books and you know incredible accolades well deserved thank you I really appreciate it